Good morning. It's great to be together, isn't it? Yeah. If the mountains don't encourage you, I'm going to have a scripture for you. I tell you what, I was thinking about thankfulness because a little chilly yesterday, but I was thinking it got a little warm. If we had lost the road, we could be boating right now in this. I mean, just the ponderance of that should just lift your soul into thanksgiving for the next 10 years. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Yeah, this says uh, we've been talking about the Lord hearing us and, and turning to him for help. This says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compass me and the pains of hell gat hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low and he helped me. Return to thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with me. And he talks about the Lord delivering our soul from death. Anyway, I'm just reminded that the, there really isn't any peace for our soul unless we turn to the Lord. And it's really a sign of maturity to recognize the places where he takes us so that we are forced to turn upon him, where he takes our soul and, or shows us, at least shows us that our, there isn't any peace in, around us, obviously outside of us in this world. But uh, no matter what place we find ourselves in, it says the pangs of hell got hold of me. Um, when you turn your soul to the Lord, we do have a God that hears. Um, and he brings peace to our soul. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, there's no time, as we heard on Wednesday, not to reach in. And uh, I've just been, I tell you, I've been blessed during worship looking around. Just Worship is such a personal thing. There's an atmosphere to be able to enter in. But that's um, really a blessing where we just, there's a, there's an, there is an additional anointing available to reach into the Lord. That is what I'd say about worship. There's an, there's an atmosphere where the Lord... Uh, makes a provision for you to enter in. Um, and I've just been uh, aware of just on a personal way, people reaching in. I've really been blessed um, during worship because it really is personal. Um, and I, from the youngest to the oldest, just encourage all the, all the young people to take advantage of the time during worship to forget about who's around you, what's happening, but just to reach in. It's amazing that the Lord just gives you the opportunity to see something in a totally different way uh, when there's an anointing for that. There are times where he just gives you a, a relief from what is on this level to see what is going on in a different level. And it's a lot better. And, and you get a chance just to clear your mind and just uh, realize that the Lord is at work uh, in a great way. Uh, and it's always overwhelming when you see that. Anyway, good opportunity again to come together before the Lord and just uh, reach in and find peace for your soul. Amen. Let's gather.
Okay. Uh, Richard texted me yesterday to want to know if I was thinking what he was thinking. <laughs> There's a promise in the Bible that the watchman will see eye to eye. But we weren't necessarily thinking the same thing. No, no, no. We're not voting. Uh, no, he was... I was thinking he was speaking today. And that's not what he was thinking. Uh, anyway, so I am leaving, so that was his rationale. <clears throat> but I am coming back. I mean, Lord willing. Um, so I have a title, <clears throat> and I often don't have a title, but uh, the title at the top of the page, and I hope the message matches the title, because that's what's in my heart, but uh, that the title is Living-Functional-Growing Relationship. That's the title. Okay, so actually we could probably close. There's a... Uh, um, we uh, talk a lot about the offering... Um, offering ourselves and it really the point of the offering it really is I know we make it a it, it's more dramatic than it needs to be uh, sometimes I believe because really what it is is to just approach approach the Lord it, it, um, we sang a song today well, I mean we sang a lot of songs but there was one that he's taken away every wall peace. you're in peace you yeah. Broken down every wall. Okay. And I listened to Derek Prince yesterday. <clears throat> I never do, but I just happened to see his the message. So I, I listened to it. And he was talking about the barriers. Um, he was talking about healing. I, I don't know if it was just physical healing or I only listened to uh, 40 minutes of it, but it was like an hour and eight. I didn't have the endurance for that. Um, actually, only I exercised for a certain amount of time. But and he got in. He had like seven common barriers to us being touched by the Lord. And um, the first four were good. And the the fifth one, though, he was talking about the occult and going to a fortune teller and all that. And at that point, it was a good time to turn it off. I thought. Um, but he said something that was the best thing I got out of it was he said, you know, there's no barrier on God's side. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a good that's a good point. There's no barrier to this relationship. And so when we talk about offering, um, it, it isn't a necessarily dramatic. It, it, it is just um, availing ourselves of this relationship because we understand that the promise in the Bible uh, in the, uh, certainly in the Gospels, the, real, the great promise of God is eternal life, right? And that's, a, that's not just talking about, it's not talking about time. It's talking about a quality of life that you and I live in forever and ever, right? Um, and, and it's not, it, it, and that's good news for us to, because the, the subtext of that promise is that you get out of your own life and into another life that's higher, that actually that's what this, world needs. That's what man needs um, when you think about it. 
the futility of, of the, the age, the futility of the world is very evident. Because it's not in man to know how to go. And that's a very simple thought, but it's very profound because the, the elite people of this world in terms of finance and, and, and corporation and policy makers and, and they meet every year and there's all kinds of things said about it. But when it gets down to the end of it, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I think Satan is a conspirator, but uh, to control and I think there are wealth wants to control and I believe there are men that want to control but I don't always believe that I think they're fueled by Satan but I don't think necessarily always that they um, uh, know that I think they're just living in their own natural mind and, and but the truth is they have no capacity to deliver creation out of the bondage of corruption and um, so God has called us to, for that very purpose. And we know that the ingredient that we, the only ingredient that we bring, we don't, it's like we don't bring our talents, we don't bring our money, we don't bring our brilliant intelligence, we don't bring, uh, although God, you know, um, uses those things. I think the best employment that, that occurs is in the body of Christ when someone uses what God has given them for others. I think that's the best thing that happens here. I think that's the best thing about the community or, or not just the community, but the body of Christ where people function. If you're, you're a, a gifted teacher, then you, you pour yourself out in the school. If you're gifted in the kitchen, you pour yourself out in the kitchen. If you're gifted with animals and, or whatever it is, and um, you pour yourself out there and, and, and that's a beautiful thing, really. And it's God-ordered. Um, but he doesn't need your talents. Um, so really the thing, and I understand you don't just draw a line. Now I'm offering myself this moment or any of that. You live your life saying, Lord, I'm yours. And that's what the offering is. It's a conducting of ourselves in a relationship that's living. And I, as <clears throat> a <the> scripture, <clears throat> um, you know, sometimes you have notes, but they're not necessarily chronological. Anyway, um, well, let me just say this about the offering before I move forward with what I was just going to say. And that is in Malachi 3, 3 and 4. You don't have to turn here. You can look it up later if you want. But there, it says there, uh, he's a refiner. And he's going to purify the sons of Levi um, as silver and gold is purified. And the reason he's doing that, it says, is that they may offer in righteousness. Um, and so the refining that we go through is really for one reason, so that the offering can be an offering in righteousness. And I thought, now what is... What does that mean, an offering in righteousness? Well, I thought, well, the opposite of righteousness is addressed in Romans chapter 10 because the, the uh, nation of Israel, uh, you know, sought to um, establish their own righteousness, right? And they were ignorant of the righteousness of God. And so I thought, well, the, 
And if you look up that word own, it's self. And <clears throat> the, the opposite of righteousness is self-righteousness. And you know, the word self is really an adjective that defiles everything. Self-protection, self-aggrandizement, self-interest, self-seeking, self-absorption. Do I have to go on? Self-righteousness. And the opposite of that is an offering that's made without self. And, you know, self is a constancy of self. And uh, God is out to divide us from being directed by self. Now, when I say self, I mean soul. Your soul's in there, right? And um, God's not out to destroy your soul, right? Actually, the opposite. The Bible says he's out to save your soul. How does your soul get saved? Your soul gets saved in submission to the Spirit. And the reason the soul, there's so much trouble in the world is because the soul is ruling. And, and you know, I don't, this is not a male-female thing, but the soul is a type of the woman, and the woman is ruling in the house, right? And that's not male or female. There's neither male nor female in Christ. That's why we have no trouble with uh, a female getting behind this pulpit, right? I know that's a big deal in many places. The females don't, and they want to discuss it and everything that Paul said. But there's no male or female in Christ, and that's why females can get up here under the authority of Christ. They're in the man, Christ Jesus. So, okay, so the opposite of righteousness is self-righteousness. And what God is doing is, is refining us, and, and, and it's a fiery refining to get us to the point where the offering actually is in righteousness. It has, self has been <laughs> put aside from that offering. It's not an analysis of how I feel about this. There are days I don't feel like being a father, but too late, fella, you got four kids. You know, and particularly when they're little, right? You know, my goodness gracious. You know, you look at the young families here and you know that, you know, I like to ask some of the ladies here that have more than two, what are you doing in your free time, right? You know, How's your laundry day, you know? And you got, you know, I don't mean you don't love your kids, but it's just, you know, it's a full on occupation. And, uh, or, and some days you don't necessarily, and I, is Hannah here? Close your ears for a second. You don't feel like being a husband. You just feel like you gotta be me. And, and self is first. And, and that's the greatest detriment to relationship, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's our greatest detriment to the relationship that we're feeling our way through with our Heavenly Father. Because the whole point of, uh, uh, the whole point of our existence is relationship. It is. The promise in the Bible, I said, is eternal life. It's a quality of life. But that eternal life, it says in John 17, 3, that is to know him. Some of you didn't say amen to that. And it's really a great definition. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. It's a relationship that is life eternal. It's union. It's communion. With the, with the Spirit of God. That's what life eternal is. Uh, it's, 
being joined to a life that doesn't end. It's being joined to a life that, it, that catapults you out of self-life. Um, that's what eternal life is about. And so God is dealing with us to bring forth an offering. And the, the next verse after that in Malachi says, an offering uh, that it would be pleasant unto the Lord. There is a pleasantness when you offer yourself without self. Ruling, but you offer yourself for whatever it is that God wants to do, and 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 you know there's examples in the Bible, right? Paul, um, and I always remember this passage because of Ernest Watkins. But in Second Corinthians 11, um, he he calls Paul's list of perils. He called them pearls, right? Because that's the way he talked. He called them pearls of great price. And Paul went through that big list and you can look at it. Uh, it's quite a list. Um, <clears throat> and, and, but you find him over in uh, 2 Timothy. He said, I suffer these things because I know whom I have believed. And not only that, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep would have committed to him. What did Paul commit to him? His life. And you and I have nothing else to offer God except our life. <laughs> Do with me what you want. And I told John Dufendock today that we were talking about the convention in Mexico and uh, I was making some phone calls because I'm going to that. It'll be Thursday, starts Thursday morning and I was calling down a Bowen's Mill and a bunch of guys uh, that minister, and none of them are going to the convention, which is a bother to me. And it could be a cross. I'm, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, and so I, I told Abel he was probably going to have to preach, and he's got a good message. And there's another brother that maybe I could get insight to preach, but I would, you know, I, I knew as I'm calling around, I had a sense of self <laughs> preservation. <laughs> really? Yeah. And I, you know what? And let me encourage you, and I probably told you this before, 43 years into Abraham's journey, you still see him lying about his wife. Yeah. Self preservation goes hard. Yeah. Takes some time to get rid of that. So I could sense that because there's five services and I'm the only one going down, but I can, you know, uh, and I had a plan when Abel and I went to Peru and Abel was a great blessing because he was willing to preach often, <clears throat> but you know, it, it didn't let me off the hook because they wanted two messages per service. And, um, and I, was, I was fighting hard in my heart to have four services. They started out with six. We couldn't make the first one because we didn't even know. We had, and so we were left with five and we said we would do four. And probably I told you this, but at the, the last day after the morning service, which I thought was, oh, thank you, Lord, that's over. Um, <clears throat> the guy got up and announced, um, that uh, well we just had 
uh, a new group of people come in from such and such a village. And of course he embellished it with, you know, three days, you know, canoe paddling, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was pretty, pretty serious effort with guilt. <laughs> um, and then it says, and we got another group coming in, you know, in an hour or so. And so um, we're going to have another service this evening at 6 o'clock or something, 6.30. We're not sure if the ministry will be here. <laughs> so I was complaining to Abel because Abel's a great guy to complain to because he doesn't, don't you say, Adele could really attest to that. Probably. <laughs> Um, he, he doesn't uh, complain and he doesn't wear his uh, opinions on his sleeve. He, he's fairly quiet and he's, you know, he's wise. He, he waits. And, but it's not because he's not aware of the idiocy of what you're living in. Um, because we both were preaching that your salvation is not in multiple services. Right? We both preached that pretty hard. There may have been a little self-interest in that, too. I don't know. I mean, I believe that's the truth. But, um, uh, so, the, so, I said, hey, well, what are we going to do? I said, I, I don't want to go to... And, and so, finally, it's like 6.10. Now, there was a blessing of God that he inserted in a, a, a ministry of grace with, after that morning service in the afternoon, this couple, this precious beautiful couple uh, took us to have the first cup of good coffee we had in the whole trip and so there was some little measure of grace that God was ministering to, to us anyway we got back it was 610 and we had 20 minutes to get to the service and uh, and I said hey well what are we gonna do and they just said well brother David I think we're trapped <laughs> And we preach. And it's not even about... It's just about what I don't want to do. What I don't like to do. I don't like the pressure of that. That is a cross to me. And I'm not thinking about Mexico. And, I'm, I, and, I'm, and I hope Abel's okay to get up there. And I hope maybe another brother will. I hope I don't have to do five services. But, you know, self-preservation takes a while to get rid of. Do I somehow think that I have to conjure up something? If the Spirit of God doesn't enable me to do my particular job then I have nothing to say anyway. So how many times is God able to preach in a convention? Well, I don't know. <coughs> anyway, an offering that's pleasing is one without self in it. That's what the offering's all about. Beautiful scripture in 1 Chronicles 29.9. It says they offered willingly with a perfect heart for the building of the house of God. And, um, and then you can read in Hosea 4. And uh, 
You don't have, not now. But there is a bunch of stuff. Hortum, wine, and new wine take away the heart. There's stuff in life that take away your heart. And if the heart isn't willing, the offering's not the right one. That's just, I just threw that in. You've got to decide what that means. The whoredom, it has to do with idols. It has to do with wine. It means intoxication. The second, the second one, the, the, the one wine means intoxication. The first word, whoredom, means idols. Something else that you worship at the altar of, whatever that is. You fill that in. i got to fill it in. Whatever intoxicates me, whatever takes me, whatever takes my attention and my desire and all that, whatever just takes me somewhere. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the new wine means stuff that's sweet. It's sweet. Sweet to our taste. I read a very, uh, I don't read many books, but I was in an in a airport for eight hours. And... Um, Maybe nine, I think it was. And so there was a bookstore, and I went over there, and I got a book. And it was a two-story about a guy that uh, got into... A father wrote the book. It was about his son that got into methamphetamine. And the kid was a, you know, really good athlete. The father was... They had a professional, and anyway, da, 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 da. But there was an emptiness in the guy's soul, and the kid's soul, and... And, and this is what was so evil about this. And this is what is so evil about the enemy and, and the influence of the world. Is that he said the first time he took methamphetamine, the first thought he had was, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And it really, I thought, oh my God. You know, you think about... What actually he, he did was take the first step to destroying his whole life in a very demonstrable, dramatic fashion. And he went down into a, it's quite a story. At the end, fortunately, he had, he had, had recovery. But the father said, recovery is a tentative thing. <laughs> but I thought, how evil the things of this world that are sweet, to our taste. Your taste is not trustworthy and neither is mine. And my senses are not trustworthy. And I'm on a roller coaster ride in my life if that's where I'm living. Um, so anyway, I, I brought up about Paul, all those things. He said, I know whom I believe. He had one particular journey and I want to make a point through it and it's in Acts 27. Acts 27, it's the story of when Paul has to go to, to Rome. Remember, he appeals to Caesar, and so he ends up on a journey there, and that's where he, his life ended. It was his last journey, and, and uh, they got delayed in one of the ports. <clears throat> in Acts 27, and it's just the story of one of his pearls of great price, perils, was that, and I guess it happened twice, that he was shipwrecked twice. This is one of the accounts. And, and they got delayed in the port, and he 
he he told the guys he had the word of the Lord. He, he had the uh, word of wisdom or whatever. He said, you know, we should not go. We should stay. I perceive that there will be loss and harm. And um, but they didn't. The centurion didn't listen to him. He listened to the owner of the sheep ship and the the fleet and all that. And so they took the journey. Long story short. Um, you know, no small tempest. Uh, uh, it says, this is interesting, and this confirms what I was just saying about our senses can't be trusted. Verse 13 of 27, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. You know, and I think, man, that is such a dangerous thing uh, to make analysis on the basis of our senses. How does, oh, it feels good right now. Oh, that's a nice, beautiful, soft wind coming. It's yeah, we got we're moving forward, and and they were they were wrong. Uh, but then, verse fourteen, not long after, and sometimes the next morning, um, there arose against it a tempestuous wind. Uh, then, exceedingly tossed with a tempest, no small tempest. Verse twenty, lay on us all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. You know, this is a little bit like our, our lives and what happens. And, but Paul, he says something, and I think it's the key to the whole passage. It says, now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. And I think that's something to really consider that this eternal life is not lost because of difficulty and affliction and, and stuff around you crumbling. There are many communities around the world that have, kind of, that have closed, they've fallen apart, or there are many fellowships that have closed, and I don't wish that for this place. I, I like this place. I, I'm thankful for this place. I, I, I appreciate the, the, the way God has provided for us, and, and, and it is no less miraculous than, than anything you read in the Bible. He's provided and provided and provided. He's given us many gifted people that, that em, employ their gifts for the family of God. He, he's kept us, you know, together. And I don't, I never cheer about the wonder of our community anywhere but I'm very grateful for the work of God that he's done here and I'm and and I hope God keeps us together and I hope he sustains this but if the ship fell apart our ship there doesn't have to be any loss of life because this eternal life is in fact eternal and this eternal life, in fact, is an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And regardless of the environment, it's not able to separate us. Doesn't the Bible say, who shall separate us from the love of God? Which is, there isn't anything. If the point is there isn't anything that can separate you if you continue to offer yourself. For the purpose of God. And go through the refining. You know the best thing you find out about the, the difficulties. When, when you're in difficulty. And life isn't total difficulty. But there's a lot of difficulty and trouble in it. 
the best thing you find out is that you do not have to lose the life of God here. That in every single situation, every single circumstance, every hardship, and they're real hardships, and they're very uncomfortable. The very nature of refining is hot. I handed Richard a cartoon. This, uh, uh, I found it's Gary Larson. The guy is an anointed comedian, I'll tell you. But it's graffiti in hell. And one of them is, hey, you call this hot? <laughs> Another one is, Satan is a warm and tender guy. For a pleasant conversation, call Satan. Um, but the nature of refinement is it's hot, it's uncomfortable, it's loss, it's even death. I mean, one of the reasons I'm traveling more is because there's a lot less people doing that now. And it seemed to me that God took some of the best ones and left the others. <clears throat> but the life of Christ, you find out, is durable. It endures. Regardless of what's going on, you can still live in the life of Christ. You can still live there in that relationship. And I know it's... It, it's not easy. It's un there's discomfort because of refinement. Um, but really, there's an important verse in Ephesians 3.9. It says, um, God's purpose. He says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And that's what's important. The mystery is in Colossians 1.27, right? Christ in you. The hope of glory is the mystery. It's not the knowledge of the mystery. Because we all can recite that verse. It's, am I having fellowship with that mystery? Am I in fellowship with that mystery? That is the great challenge I have. Am I communing with the mystery of godliness here, which is Christ? Am I in communion with that? Me. This life. That's your great challenge. In everything you do, the one thing that creates the most tension, if you're seeking to walk with God, if you're seeking to offer yourself, is am I in fellowship with this life? Not life we talk about. Life I'm living. <clears throat> so it's a fellowship of the mystery. Because God wants to demonstrate, it says, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. What is he demonstrating of his manifold wisdom to the principalities and powers? He's demonstrating that I can take a human vessel, a man, and put my life in that vessel. And he does not have to be ruled over by any other influence. Yeah. And I, I know that's in front of me. 
No other influence ruling over me. And you know what yours are. And I know what mine are. And what God wants to do is demonstrate His magnificent, manifold wisdom through the likes of us that the life of Christ can rule in our vessels. He wants to demonstrate that to the principalities and powers that are unseen. There's something going on in an unseen realm of demonstration every time you stay under the hand of God in whatever situation you say, I'm enduring, I'm staying under. Lord, cause me, here I am again. Whatever you say, every second that you do that, every minute that you do that, every day that you do that, you are not wasting any time at all because it is a demonstration in an unseen realm that you will not yield to the influence that's in this world and so prevalent. He's, He's demonstrating that to the principalities and powers that rule. They rule the whole world. <clears throat> that you're not someone that's living on the basis of, of, of self. You're coming under one power, one ruler, one authority working here. <clears throat> and the test of this is, is, is a daily operation. And I, I would like to I've already been talking for over half an hour and I'd like to come in for a closing, you know. I hate being in an airplane when they say, well, we can't land for a while. Oh, it's so irritating. You know, it says, we're going to land in 15 minutes and you get near the airport and they say, okay, well, there's a such and such and such and such. So the runway, blah, 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 and they, you know, so we're going to circle for a while and you're, you know, I mean, you've, you've geared up for 10 more minutes. Okay, I can make 10 minutes and then it becomes an hour. Oh, so that's a type and shadow for preaching. Um, So the reason sometimes that we don't offer ourselves, I think, is um, because we know we open ourselves to judgment and we open ourselves to reproof. And, uh, you know, Habakkuk 2 says, I'm going to stand on my watch and see how I'll answer when I'm reproved, right? The great message that Elihu had uh, to, the, to Job and his friends, he said uh, in, in chapter 34, he said, let us choose to us judgment. Job had a lot of judgments, right? Along the way. And, uh, but God still, isn't that great? Isn't that great news that Job, through that, through the, all the difficulty, Job had a lot of stuff come up of self justification self-righteousness those things all came up uh, but he got through at the end he said I, I was talking about stuff I didn't know I was making judgments that mm. but the reason we would throw you know you're opening yourself up for someone else to call what's going on and to say what you need and so it's a daily offering we know that Jesus did it Jesus didn't offer himself on that one day uh, which was yesterday um, I guess yesterday was Good Friday, so they, I don't know. <coughs> and tomorrow is resurrection, I think. I mean, I think it's Easter, right? Tomorrow? Yeah. I didn't know it was Good Friday. I would have been a little happier yesterday. Um, but it wasn't, that wasn't the first time Jesus offered, right? 
Jesus lived a life of offering. He, he had a daily offering, right? So, okay, so now I want to get through the last five chapters of Daniel. That is a depressing thought. I don't know if you read the last five chapters of Daniel. There was a brother that used to accost me, and I used the word literally, um, about what I thought about some of the information in the last five chapters of Daniel. Not only did I not know, frankly, I didn't care. Um, like, they want to, I mean, I looked at numbers, and I like numbers, but you look at the numbers, so many weeks, this is going to happen, da, da 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 and then so many weeks later, if you can endure, blessed is he that, that doesn't, that, la uh, that goes beyond the 1,295 days and lasts to 1,335 days. So it's just 45 days in between that you've got to endure beyond. Anyway, uh, and this prince, and I think he's talking about the prince of the world, but this, this, this horn rises up against this other horn, two horns, crushes. So, so I'm giving you all the revelatory stuff I have right now. So just try to stay with me. Let me just say two things. One is that those five chapters, Nelson might confront me later, says, come on, some of this is... Uh, uh, but those five chapters are, are talking about the end of time. That I know. Because it says it. Secondarily, there's something else. In the end of time, in the last days, that there is something that happens of profound consequence. And that is that the daily offering, the daily sacrifice is taken away. Do you know that there is a great war? The influences of the principalities and powers in this world, the influence of self that wants to take away the daily offering. That's what that whole thing is about. Taking away the daily offering. In chapter 9, chapter 8, maybe three times Chapter 9, verse 27 says it. 10 doesn't say it. It just says these are the latter days. And it goes on to chapter 11, it says it. And then chapter 12, it says it. And blessed is he who waits. It says at the end of chapter 12. It's all the whole point of the influence of, of, of the kingdoms of this world is to take away the daily sacrifice. There is no war against the denominational system. There's no war against a... a uh, an organized church. There's no war against that. The reason there was a war against Jesus Christ is because it was a living sacrifice. Because a living sacrifice is a threat to the kingdoms of this world. Church is not a threat. It's a living organism made up of members that are offering themselves continually before the Lord that are a threat to the powers of this age. What did they do? They sought to kill all the newborn babies, male babies, when Jesus came on the earth. Because they wanted to get rid of the threat. Why did they kill the Lord Jesus? Because they wanted to get rid of the threat to their own life. 
Why do they all walk away in John 6, 66? From that point on, many disciples didn't follow him anymore because he said, it's not your life, it's my life you've got to eat of. That's the great threat to the principalities and, and powers. And you know what it says something great? If they had known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord. <laughs> they fell right into the plan. I'm not suggesting that the plan isn't going to go through. It is. <laughs> what I am suggesting is that you're in a war for the daily offering. So that's where that is. And I thought you read all through those chapters and, and it's very perplexing a lot of it, you know, but you read all through. And I said, now, why did Daniel, why did Daniel get all that? And I want to read one verse and tell you why. It's in Daniel 6, verse 10. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, and that was the writing that, you know, Darius signed because they were conspiring against Daniel because Daniel was a threat <laughs> because he was offering himself. He went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber to Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Do you know why Daniel was, got in on all this stuff? Because Daniel offered himself every single day and he didn't change with the environment. That word day there means daily. It's the same word as daily in the Old Testament. I'll read one more verse maybe that has that word in it. The reason Daniel got in on all that, the reason Daniel said, you'll stand in your place is because Daniel offered himself daily, even though the, the war against that offering. And he did it as he did aforetime. He did it on good days and he did it on bad days. This is a curious thing that happens in this earth. It's so telling, I think, when something like the 9-11 occurrence when the towers in New York were knocked down and destroyed and we were under threat. The churches filled up for some months and then went back. That kind of a offering is no threat to the powers that rule this world. The kind of offering that's a threat is the kind in Daniel 6.10 where regardless of the environment that you and I find ourselves in, we still offer daily. It says over in Proverbs, which I'd like to close with, Proverbs 8.
34. It says, <clears throat> Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. For whoso finds me finds life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. We've heard that scripture several times out of John 5, 39 and 40. You search the scriptures. Thinking that, and they talk of me. That you can find life. Amy referred to it. Richard referred to it. But you won't come unto me. And that's the key for every single one of us. In every environment. Come unto me. That's where life is. Amen. offering that we give um, it's important that our environment doesn't change that <clears throat> as David said it so clearly um, because that's, that's the place that life is found in when we don't allow the outside circumstances to change our going to him and realize that it's all directed by God. <clears throat> we don't like sometimes a lot of the direction that God gives, sends our way. Um, and that's how we like to change the environment. But when we start realizing that, that God is in that for our good, and we continue to not change our going to Him because of that, then He's able to bring the life that He's intended from the start from the very beginning to bringing all of us because his intention is to bring forth that eternal life in every one of us. <clears throat> so very clear tonight, to <laughs> this morning. <laughs> so, thank you, David. Definitely, we'll be praying with him for him that <clears throat> whatever happens <laughs> down there, that he'll have right, what the Lord intends for him to minister to for the convention and everywhere else that he's going after that. So. Okay. Well, Lord, we, we know that all our lives and are in your hands, Lord. We know, Father, that, that you have a, an intention for us and for all the circumstances. We ask you, Lord, for your life to break, break through, Lord, to minister grace and peace to touch with healing, Lord. We know that you are the provider 
of life and health, Father. And we know that you have a purpose in all that you do. And we submit ourselves to your work today, Lord. We thank you for the clarity of the word. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to be able to walk in it, Lord, and to apply ourselves to the good work that you are performing in our lives, Lord. Bless all those that were mentioned, Lord. Touched all the needs, Father. Strengthen Kathy and Mark today, Lord. Lord, that they would be encouraged in you. Father, that they would find peace that comes from your spirit, Lord. Go before us today. Amen.